Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. Man, am I glad you're here today because we're going to tackle one of these most insidious, hardest things to deal with. And that is when you are in a toxic, dysfunctional, addicted dynamic, and you hear on a regular basis by the person who's being dysfunctional, you make me this way. Now it can come in a lot of different forms. Today, we're going to talk about from the alcoholics perspective of saying, you make me drink. Now you could hear this a multitude of ways. You make me drink. You made me drink. You make me want to relapse. You made me relapse. If you're going to accuse me of drinking, I might as well drink. And then we transition out of the alcoholic dysfunction, narcissistic dysfunction into the other types of dysfunction where you might hear, you made me cheat. You made me call my ex. You made me hurt you. You made me say that terrible thing to you. I never would have done that if you hadn't done what you did. And now we can all kind of take the bigger picture here and go, well, Heidi, that I listened to Dr. Romney. Hold up. That sounds a little like a gaslight, right? You can recognize that if you're a bystander. Nine times out of 10, if you can hear that from your friends or in another dynamic, you can be like, yeah, you know what? I, I can tell that's BS, right? I know that's a gaslight. I can smell that gaslight a mile away. But something happens when it's in our own relationship where we do make it personal and we do take ownership. And in the confines of your own mind, when you're alone at night and you're racking your brain thinking, how can you make this thing stop? What do you need to do to fix this thing? How can you get your loved one back? How can you get off the crazy train? You're also wondering, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? How can I fix this? And what's my fault? And where's my part in all of this? And so I wanna, I wanna dive into that today and help you figure out do you really make an addict drink? Do you really make them, do you drive them to drink? Are you that hard to deal with and terrible of a person that you drive people to drink and relapse? Now, I know you could say, well, no, I know I can't make anybody do anything. But then you also hear when an addict or an alcoholic gets into recovery about their triggers. You're a trigger for me. You're triggering me. And then we go, well, maybe I do make them want to drink, but do I, so it, then it starts to get cloudy, right? It, it, let's be real. This whole ride is a mind F. It's ex extremely confusing. So I am going to attempt to take this really big question and toss it around with you so that we can get to the bottom of it so that you can leave this conversation today feeling better than you did when you sat down to listen to it. That's always my goal. Let me hear something I need to hear, see something I need to see, feel something I need to feel so that I can get a little closer to freedom, psychological freedom, emotional freedom, spiritual freedom, financial freedom, so that you can have that ultimately love, deep, real, authentic connection that you really deserve, you know? So if you're new here, I want to take a minute and say, welcome home. I'm glad you found me. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. Uh, so let's dive in. And if you want to go deeper, I've created a multitude of workshops, courses, coaching containers just for you that you can come in and get the help that you need. Because 
there is so much help for addicts and alcoholics. There's a treatment center on every every you know mile. There's a place. There's meetings. I live in South Florida. There's 3,500 meetings from West Palm Beach to Miami per day for people that are struggling with recovery. But for those of us that are impacted by another's addiction or dysfunction, it's kind of slim pickings. Now, I love Al-Anon. I think that's a great place. I also love Alateen. I think that's great in CODA, Codependents Anonymous, and Adult Daughters of Alcoholics kind of programs and things like that are super. But what I find is missing and how I help fill the gap for you is that I give you strategy. I really narrow it down and teach you exactly on the path, how to navigate this thing every step of the way. I've broken it down. All the decades of experience that I've had, the thousands of people that I've helped, I think I've, you know, because I've dedicated my life to this work, I believe I've I've got it down. So I'd love to be a support for you on this journey to help you heal and break free and make sense of all this madness once and for all. So I I remember as a, as a young girl, as a young kid, my dad was an alcoholic. I had an abusive situation in my house. I had other things going on. And, and I just remember as a little girl thinking to myself, how can I stop from getting hurt? Or how can I stop dad from drinking? What do I need to do? Now, as a kid, naturally, if you have children and you're with an addiction alcoholic or somebody who's really toxic and sick, you could probably look at your kids today and see the eggshells they're walking on to try not to tick mom off or upset dad or drive them off the deep end. And you might even be guilty of this, shushing the kids, telling them what to talk about and what not to talk about around the addict or alcoholic. You don't want to set them off, you know, and you're, you're on a bunch of trip wires and eggshells yourself. So this is why this work is so important because we can see that when we believe this lie, and by the way, the jig is up, it is a lie. You don't make anybody do anything, but when you believe it, okay, you not only you walk on eggshells, believing that you're responsible for somebody else's bad behavior, but you teach your kids that too. And my mission around here, HeidiRain.com, everything we do is to be a cycle breaker. It's to stop this generational lie that you, and this codependent attachment to I'm the cause of your pain and I'm creating your pain and I can fix and cure your pain because I'm the cause of your pain, right? That's, that's what we're trying to work through. So I remember as a little kid, some of the thoughts that I had, maybe some of the thoughts that you've had or your children are having could be, how can I be fill in the blank enough so that I can stop this bad thing from happening? How can I be quiet enough? How can I be smart enough? I can outsmart it. How can I be, this is a big one for a lot of us, helpful enough. I can take enough off their plate. I can make their lives a little easier because you know they're so overwhelmed. And how can I be less whatever, be less needy? How can I be less... Um, obnoxious or in their face or whatever. How can I be quiet enough, still enough, invisible enough? I mean, you could probably help me fill in these blanks, right? Of the things that we tell ourselves, if we could just be blank, that they would stop drinking or hurting us. And that is another way of saying or believing the lie, you make me drink. You make me hurt you. You make me act this way towards you. So you first, the first step out of this is to examine if you can't, if you're like, well, I don't outright believe that it's not like an overt, uh, you know, an overtly clear that I believe that because when they say it, I know it's not true, but covertly, 
I do believe it behind the scenes and underneath of it all, because I'm still kind of morphing and bending into who I need to be to stop bad things from happening. Because I, you still believe underneath of it all that if you're quiet enough, kind enough, helpful enough, pretty enough, sweet enough, interesting enough, whatever enough, that you can stop that bad thing from happening. And we can really get hooked in here. Now, just as much as we believe this on the negative side, like when we say, you make me drink, if we believe that lie at all, another kind of overt way, this lie, we, we can see, recognize that we're hooked into this lie is we believe the other side of that same codependent coin, which is, and you keep me sober or you make me sober. So if you make me drink, then you also flip that coin over, you make me sober. Both of these things are a gigantic lie. And when you believe them, not only do you go on this this side of the coin, you know, where you're like, I'm going to be quiet enough, good enough, hopeful enough, sweet enough, invisible enough. But then you go on the other side of, well, if I'm responsible for their drinking, then I'm also responsible for their recovery. And then you get into this other side of things where you're like, well, then it's my job to drive them to the meetings. It's my job to remind them of their meetings and to pick them up and take them where I need them to go and to, you know, help them see the light and wake them up and let them know they need treatment. And now you're, you're fully sucked in. You are 100% codependent. Maury Povich, you are a thousand percent the father. You are a thousand percent codependent when you believe either side of this coin is that it's your fault. It's your fault. You make me drink. So what do we do next? Well, the first thing is you, you can't bypass being in awareness of how deep this lie goes with you. You've got to be willing to sit with just this first step for a few minutes, you know, a few days, weeks, I don't know, to, to ask yourself and look around. How, if Heidi's right and I'm, and I'm believing this lie on any level at all, how might that be true for me? If I look around at my life and I say, do I watch myself at dinner tonight? Am I very cautious about the things that I talk about? Uh, do I do I you know think about who I'm going to invite over and and what restaurant we're going to go to because I wonder if there's going to be alcohol there or am I strategizing in my mind and hoping the kids don't bring up that thing that they're going through because it might be too much for mom to hear because I don't I don't want her to get overwhelmed and if she's overwhelmed she's going to drink. Just watch yourself, you know, observation of ourselves is the very first step to any kind of change at all. We have to be willing to take the lens off of the person that's inflicting the pain and going, and I know so many people don't like this part where we go, well, what's my part in this? Like, how am I playing it? Cause we're in a, we're in a play, right? We're in a dysfunctional family play and one person's playing the hero another person's playing the victim. Another person's playing the, you know, the scapegoat. We're all in this little family play. But the only way out of the play is to recognize the part you're playing. And so we have to be really honest with ourselves about how we do this thing. You know, how do we feed into this lie? Are we shushing the kids? Are we sending them off? Are we, are we believing that we're going to make them drink? On the other side of that, am I redoing all the research for the recovery? Am I, am I lecturing? Am I, you know, what's my role? And then once you get a very clear understanding of what your role has been and how insidious this lie goes with you, then you have to go about the business of untethering from the lie. And now we want to think, well, just knowing it's a lie is enough. Well, I could just remind myself, I'm going to, I remember I first, I first started teaching, coaching back 
in the early 2000s. I mean, that's that I've been doing this a very long time. And when I first started, the law of attraction had first like come out. The secret was really big. The first few years I was coaching and I was teaching about the law of attraction. And so much of the work that I taught back then was about just mindset, just, you know, affirmations and talking to yourself and envisioning the life you want. And I think I was at that point really well-meaning, but kind of ignorant as far as how tethered we are in our codependency and how deep those roots go to not just believing the addict telling us lies, but it didn't start there. You're, this level of it's my fault, I'm responsible, usually has roots that go a lot deeper than an affirmation can rip up. Okay. It takes more work. So the second step is to get involved, get in a recovery program so that you can untether from the lies, stop believing that it's your fault. Stop co-signing that BS and, and enabling in that way when I know that you're not meaning to, and it's easier said than done. That's why I've created the courses. So much of my time is spent more. I spend more time in my ministry, this is my free resource here. This is my ministry. I've got hundreds of videos here on YouTube and on my podcast. My ministry is shedding light on the problem. Well, Heidi, I want to talk about the solution. You're telling me what the problem is, but I want to know about the solution. I want to, I want to tell me, but if you don't understand most what I find, okay, when I've done all this research and becoming an expert on codependency and adult children of alcoholism and dysfunction and narcissistic parenting and all this stuff, okay, I've spent a whole 15 years just in my educational tract to understand this. One thing that's clear throughout everything that I've learned is the biggest problem in our healing is our lack of awareness of what's really going on. We think we we do not see the depths and levels of how sucked in we are to this madness and how this madness is affecting us and making us crazy. And you know, it's like in codependency, codependent no more, Melody B is like, if it feels crazy, it probably is, you know. So before we actually get to the solution of this, we have to become super aware of how this is permeating our lives, of how this concept of it's my fault, you make me drink, you make me hurt you, you make me do bad things is insidious in our own lives. And we take that on as a belief about ourselves that we are responsible for other people's pain and other people's bad behavior, that no positive affirmation is going to walk your way out of that. That is a deep seated attachment in a codependent pattern that we're running, that we need to see how deep that root goes before we think we're just pulling up a weed. And then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's an oak tree. Okay. It's not a weed. It's an oak tree in our lives. And so how do you, what's the second step after the awareness is get into a program, not just say, oh, I can live in the awareness and that's enough. Now we have to get to work. And that's where I encourage you to let me come alongside of you inside a deeper dive. Let's go deeper together. Let's go to those roots and see what we're working with. Now, I have deep, deep dives, super deep dives that last months, okay, that were like, I'm going to dig up everything and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confront it all and I'm going to be healed and that's going to be great. Or I have toe dips. Okay. Like a three-day workshop toe dip or a session dip. You know, I have lots of ways that we can start to work together, but here's what I want to encourage you. I went to YouTube university too, for many years before I decided to like have somebody come alongside of me and pour into me and help assist me on my path to growth and development. Don't be a lone ranger. Don't listen to a podcast and let that be the end of it. 
I'm going to encourage you to take the next step and be seen and heard and get into a program. If it's Al-Anon, great. If it's Codependence Anonymous, beautiful. If it's Adult Children of Alcoholics, amazing. Or if it's Heidi Rain, super. But let's start to do the work of recovery because awareness is just the first step. Right? I love you. If you're interested in going that next second step with me, you can go over to HeidiRain.com. I'm super old school. Send me a message. And we'll take it from there or sign up for the next workshop. Space is limited. So if you're watching this, probably a good time to sign up. I love you. Take excellent care. And I'll see you really soon until the next episode. Love yourself first. Okay. And then you can pour into everybody else. See you soon.